Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Welcome back to Maximize Your Influence. Kurt Mortensen here. This is Podcast 315. As we get into that fake no, that false perception of resistance, and why you're getting those objections over and over again, because you're manifesting it. We're going to get into that, take a deep dive there, but before we do, hope everyone had a great holiday. For my international listeners, it was Thanksgiving in the United States. That's where we are grateful, we give gratitude, we give thanks for the things that we have, and eat a lot of pie and dessert, and especially turkey. And my all-time favorite, the turkey sandwich. Probably even better than the actual meal. Well, that's my opinion. Let me know what you think at Kurt, K-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. That's where you go to take your Persuasion IQ assessment. It's also where you get the free book, Maximum Influence. That's the new edition. Pick up a little shipping and handling. Or, of course, contact us. Find the archives. And, of course, advanced training programs. Glad to have you here. Appreciate your emails. We'll be doing some email today. But let's start off with the blunder, or better yet, the blinja. Don't, don't, don't! Now, a blinja, we're not quite sure, or at least I'm not quite sure if it's a blunder or a persuasion ninja. So I'm with my wife. We're getting dressed up, going to go to a wedding reception of a family friend. It was relatively close to the house. And we started driving. We looked at the address. We're like, wait a minute. That can't be right. That's the funeral home. That's, that's where you go when people have passed away. And sure enough, that's where it was. The wedding reception was at the funeral home. Talk about an interesting, strange subconscious trigger to go into a place that's usually full of bodies, but it was a wedding reception. So you go from a sad occasion to a joyous occasion in the very same place. Now, hey, I'll give them credit. They did put a sign where it said mortuary, a funeral home, and it said event center. And they covered up the things that they needed to cover up. I'll give them that, but it was still a place where you go to funerals. Now, the blunder part is the subconscious triggers. It's a funeral home. People have been to funerals there, and it's just not the happiest place. The triggers are there. We all know there's probably bodies in the basement. That doesn't help anything. But anyway, the ninja part is if you own a funeral home and you want to expand and make more money and hold events, you're not holding funerals every day. That's actually a good business decision. But you probably should have started that way and called it the event center before you started calling it the funeral home. So let me know what you think. Is that a blunder or a ninja? Would that bother you? Does that bother you? Let me know if that is a persuasion blunder or a persuasion ninja. So that brings us to our geeky scholarly article. What your desk reveals about your personality. <laughs> You might want to fast forward the podcast a little bit if you don't really want to know, but if you do, it comes from the Journal of Personality and Individual Differences. Jeremy Dean of Psychblog and Dr. Terrence Hogan, they took a look on how tidy or messy desks reflect on your personality. A tidy desk 
or we'll say clean office makes people think you have stable emotions, an agreeable personality, a conscientious nature. That's what the research finds. They found that a cluttered desk, a messy desk, is like you being neurotic, disagreeable, and disorganized. I'm not saying it's fair. I'm not saying it's true. I'm talking about that perception. We've talked about those triggers, that perception, that feeling. The reality doesn't matter. It's what people think and feel. And they did find that all is not lost for messy people. That messy desks have been linked to breaking rules and higher creativity. So they did a study with 160 people. They sat in three offices of varying levels of cleanliness. And then they were asked to make judgments about the occupant's personality. And they found when it wasn't that clean, not a lot of order, wasn't organized, a lot of clutter. And it didn't matter if the person was in their office, a job seeker, a student, or a researcher. And they all judged that person lower in the areas they needed to be successful especially when it was a first impression. I remember saying with college professors, when students went into a messy office versus a clean office, two very different evaluations. Like, you know, I know it's not fair. Now, if you've been around for a long time and everybody knows that you're credible and everybody knows you're the expert, probably not a big deal. But if someone's meeting you for the first time, people judge you. And it could be your house. It could be your garage. It could be a variety of things, things that we could all probably work on to be careful on how people are judging us. That's the Geeky Scarly article of the week. And of course, I'll post that link at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Let's get into listener email. This is from Antonio in Italy. Oh, boy. Says, Kurt, I met you at the Sales Mastery training course you did. I've been working on your magnetic persuasion program. Thank you for your years of research. Now I can do it in days instead of years. One thing that has stuck with me is that prospects can sense a fear of closing. I think the way I handle objections could be causing resistance. Thoughts. Well, Antonio, that's a great question. Just like dogs can feel fear or horses can feel fear, prospects can feel fear and that can trigger a lot of uneasiness and trigger objections that shouldn't be there. I remember growing up in California, loved to play sports, throw the ball around. We had a pretty big backyard, but we had neighbors to each side. And, you know, every once in a while when you're playing baseball or football or frisbee or any of those sports, the ball or the frisbee goes into the neighbor's yard. And the way it was set up, the neighbor's yard was not next door. It was all the way around the street, probably a 10-minute walk to get there and ask permission to go to the backyard. And that's no fun. So we just hop the fence and, you know, and get the ball. But the problem on our one side, the east side, they had a dog. And this dog wasn't a very nice dog. It wasn't a very big dog either, but it was a very loud dog. I think you've met the type. And so it was interesting that when we hop over the fence and maintain eye contact and give it mean looks, it would just sit there. It wouldn't move. But the moment we turn around and start to run, man, that thing would come after you. And I lost a couple shoes in its mouth a few times. And so we finally learned that we'd back up still looking at it and at the last minute, hop over the fence, we could do it. Because the moment it saw fear that we retreated, that we were running, it came to attack. And that's a lot of ways like your prospect. When they sense that fear that you're retreating, you're not sure of yourself, it's going to plant objections, uneasiness, so subconscious triggers you do not want as a persuader. So Antonio, let's talk about a few things that can help you out. I call this the false perception of resistance or the illusion of resistance. And we have to look at your expectations. Do you expect them to say yes? Because if you don't, they won't. 
Or how many salespeople have I seen that shake their heads and say, you wouldn't be interested, would you? As they shake their head in the no motion. Of course, they're not going to be interested. You just plan to see that they shouldn't be interested. So when you look at the, what I call a law of expectations, expectations can be communicated through glances, body movements, eye contact, questions we use, our voice, the words, everything we use can help in the expectations that they're going to do it or destroy it. You've been into a store before where you felt guilty for not buying something or at a restaurant where you feel bad for ordering water. That's because they're creating the expectation they want you to do more, buy more, spend more. That's part of that process. So we're going to get into expectations and get into your imagination because a lot of times you're just creating this resistance that wasn't even there. They were interested, but you're just kind of shocked that they're interested. I remember when I first got into sales, they're like, okay, I'll do it. And you're like, you you will? Uh, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> we get shocked sometimes when people do it. You need to lead them down that path where yes is very easy to get. Now, here's the non-sugar-coated version of the podcast. Let me just put it to you this way. The objection you get the most is the objection you still have. Meaning the objection that scares you, the objection you don't want to get, the objection you're not sure how to handle is what you get most of the time. I've seen persuaders, the same IQ, the same leads, the same product, and they're getting different objections. What's going on is that you're manifesting these objections. And I'm going to spend more time on that on the YouTube channel, Maximize Your Influence, on a deeper dive on the psychology of that. But I'm just putting it out there. The objection you get the most is the objection you still have. If you're afraid of them bringing up the price objection, that's what's going to come up. If you don't think it's worth it, the price objection is going to come up. If you don't believe it, they're going to ask for testimonials. They're going to try to get a guarantee. You are manifesting these objections. Because we have the self-perception bias about ourselves, about a perception bias about the product or service, and we hear what we want to hear. And sometimes our brain plays tricks on us. Sometimes we manifest things we shouldn't. It's a perception bias. In fact, try to go to a sporting event, a football game, and be neutral. It's amazing. There's this big hit. Let's say it's a football game. One side will say, oh, cheap shot, throw the flag. The other side will say, oh, great hit. Right? We see what we want to see. We tell people they're going to recover from surgery in a couple weeks versus a couple months. It changes the recovery rates. So you got to be careful of these perceptions, these things we see, the things we manifest, the things we think we're covering up. Here's an interesting study on perception. When we asked uh, husbands and wives what percent of the housework they did, the wife said 90%, and the husband said 40%. And if you add that up, that's 130%, but that was their perception. They weren't lying. That's how the brain works. The brain needs to be right. So when we talk about these expectations, these expectations can be positive or negative. I remember working with a team of salespeople. They worked with a lot of successful people, a lot of millionaires, and they got stuck that millionaires are hard to persuade. No, they're actually easier to persuade. When they have the mindset that they're easy to persuade, it actually changed the game. Now, they might be hard to get a hold of. Maybe it's hard to get a meeting with them, but they're easy to persuade. They'll actually sit down and say, persuade me. They make quicker decisions. But when they have the perception it's going to be difficult, it's going to be hard, they're not going to say yes, they're going to say no. That's what you're going to get. And that's why you never prejudge a prospect. When you say they're not going to do it, they're not going to be interested, they don't have the money, of course you're going to get a no because it sucked the life out of you, out of your presentation, everything that you did, careful not to prejudge. Now, you might be right some of the time, but you're not right all the time. You've got to assume everybody you talk to can do business with you or know somebody that can.
I remember being prejudged, shopping for, uh, it was an SUV at the time. It was cold, wintry day. It was kind of snowing. I mean, it was really cold. Not a good day to shop for cars, but we did. We went out as with my business partner. We decided to pick up a couple company cars and you could see the salespeople inside looking out. It was cold. We were relatively young. I don't think we were dressed that sharp and it was just a weekend day and they prejudged us and <laughs> wouldn't come out. They sent out the rookie and he quickly got a sale of two cars, two SUVs, because everyone else prejudged. Don't do that. It takes you out of the game. I mean, expectations are powerful. Even things like placebos, they work over 50% of the time, right? A sugar pill. A lot of times they work more than the actual pill in studies. At Harvard, they were studying rats, put them in a maze. Who knows why they're always putting them in a maze, but they're in a maze. Half the students got smart rats, half the students got dumb rats. Uh, rats, and it was the same batch, but the smart rats did better. This one company sent out a coupon where actually there was a typo that it would cost you more to use the coupon, but they had the same response rate. <laughs> People didn't even look at it because the expectation is you got a coupon, you must be saving money. So we're going to think about here, what objection are you getting the most? What objection are you manifesting? What objection is scaring you? Because that's what you one you tend to get the most. And you got to sit down and come up with a game plan to figure it out and to become a product of the product and know ways that you can overcome this. Maybe you need to talk to fellow salespeople about how to overcome the objection. Maybe you need to sit down and do a little more research about your product, your service, and what you are trying to persuade people to do and believe in it more. But the big one here that really consumes people, let's just attack the big one, is price the investment. We've talked about in previous podcasts and go back to the archives. I talked about this in podcast 284 of Price is the Issue, but let's back up and talk about price. Because if price is coming up, it's the objection that scares you and maybe you don't believe it's worth that. And that's a challenge. That's a mindset issue because you're so close to it. You see the profit margins. Why are we charging so much? But the reality is in business, you have to charge more than the actual cost of the product. You've got marketing, you've got payroll, you've got expenses, you've got profit, you've got insurance. So you can't look at the price to create a product or a service. You've got to look at the big picture. Especially, this is a big one for entrepreneurs that are selling their services. They tend to charge way too little because they devalue themselves. Well, and so they don't charge enough. That's one of the big things I learned from Dan Kennedy is he said, just sit down as an entrepreneur, decide what you're going to charge, take a deep breath and add a zero to it because <laughs> you're not charging enough. You got to put value into it. You're solving someone's problem. You got to take a look at it because if you don't solve their challenge, it's going to cost them a lot more money than what you're charging them. And if you're working for a larger company, look at the price, the service of what other people are charging, the differences in the product or service. You've got to decide in your heart of hearts that this is valuable. This is worth it. And one thing that can help you too is spend some time looking at success stories, finding people that have used it. They loved it. It was worth every penny and that changes your mindset. So I'm just putting it out there. A lot of times you're getting the fake no. You are planting that perception resistance. You are causing that resistance with your demeanor, especially a big complaint is when you get into your close, your call to action, your demeanor changes. What does that mean? means you were nice, people person, friendly, fun all the way through, and then, uh-oh, time for the clothes, time to ask for the money. You get all nervous inside, 
and you manifest this nervousness, this awkwardness, makes everybody nervous in the room, it plants resistance, and it creates an environment where it's easier for people to say no. Remember, when you're on the phone or face-to-face, you're persuading the whole time. There should be no demeanor change. There should be no delay of game. And what I mean by that is, when you get to that call to action at close, it should only be about 5% of your presentation. Short, sweet, to the point, shouldn't surprise them. It's something very easy for them to say yes to. Because a lot of people get to that point when they get nervous, they just delay and they ask more questions and they beat around the bush. Just like when guys ask girls out, they're all nervous inside and they talk about sports and weather and school and dumb things. And eventually the girls never want to go out with them because they just beat around the bush too much. They didn't get to the point and it annoyed the person. And so you are annoying your prospect. So how do you know if this is happening, right? You've got to read it in their body language. You've got to listen to their voice. You've got to work on your emotional intelligence. Because usually in the sales process, the persuasion process, people are talking three times too much. And so you got to know when it's time to shut up. I mean, when they're leaning forward and their eyes start to sparkle and their head's nodding up and down, their voice sounds interested and they say, well, how do we get started? And what's the next step? Or I could see how this would work. Okay, time to shut up and move on. They're interested, right? You got to be able to read that. Now, if you're causing this resistance, you've got to look for other things. This is what you're looking for. When they're giving you very short answers, and when they do that, they look down, or maybe their eyes are cold or just drifting around, looking at their watch, their cell phone, you've lost them, you can tell that they're indifferent, and when they're indifferent, their facial muscles hang a little bit, they look older because they pretty much have checked out. Maybe their arms are folded, their hands could be clenched, their voice will be very flat, You might see a a puckering or their lips really tight. Could be things you could look for. Maybe they're backing away from you. Or a big indicator too, if you are standing up, their shoulders are no longer squared up with you. They're angled away from you. Or even their shoes are no longer pointed towards you. They're angled away from you. You've lost them. You've caused some resistance. They're no longer interested. You've got to either say, have a good day and move on. Or ask one final question to see if there's any way to salvage this person because you've lost them. You've planted a seed. You caused the resistance. That's what I call the fake no. Now, of course, I'm not here to sugarcoat it. I don't think that's what you want. But think about this this week. Are you creating that fake no? Are you creating that resistance? Are you creating an illusion? Are you creating the perception of resistance? Are you prejudging them? Are you not getting to the point when you get to your close? As your demeanor changes, any of those is going to plant no and create an environment where your prospect is going to run. They're going to feel uncomfortable. They might not be sure why they feel uncomfortable, but that's that subconscious trigger where they feel uncomfortable. Something's not quite right. They're listening to their heart, those emotions, and they're going to run. Or they'll probably say, oh, well, let me think about it. Uh, It's too expensive. Let me talk to my partner, which are all lies. But they're just trying to get rid of you and move on. So that's another podcast in the books today. Go to Maximize Your Influence for all the information and the special of the week, which is the psychology of objections, how to know if it's a true objection, a knee-jerk objection, and how to solve those, and how to pre-solve objections. That link will be on MaximizeYourInfluence.com. But with that, appreciate your love, your support. Tell your family, friends, and enemies. Hit like, subscribe. We're also on Pinterest and Instagram under Max Influence. Master these skills, become more influential, be more successful, make more money, and go out and persuade with power. 